Have you ever thought about how you might tell somebody's commitment as a Christian? Have you ever considered how you might, you know, try and tell their commitment to, to Jesus? I guess it's really quite hard because talking about being committed as a Christian, talking about your Christian life is, is largely something that's internal. And, uh, but trying to tell how someone's doing is looking on the outside, isn't it? Now I guess there are a number of external actions that could help us perhaps form some sort of answer. Uh, things like, do they go to church regularly, maybe? Are they committed to a small group? Uh, perhaps how often do they pray out in a meeting? Now all those sort of things might or might not indicate something. But it's interesting, as you read the Bible, as you read the New Testament, you find that Jesus uses another standard. He looks at our hearts. Now that's quite a hard one for us to do because even if we were to sort of cut one another open and look inside, we might see physically the heart beating away, or maybe not if we just cut them open and looked inside. Um, But we wouldn't be able to tell from that what their commitment to Jesus would be like. But actually there's one thing that does show what state our heart is in. There's one thing that's a really good indicator of how our heart is doing, how our relationship with Jesus is doing. There's one thing that that Jesus says actually is a really good indicator for us to, to see and we can use it as a test on ourselves actually to see how we're doing in our relationship with him. And it's all to do with what we do with our money. Now, in fact, Jesus spent a whole load of time talking about money, far more than he did talking about lots of other things. Now, in some churches you'll go to, you'll find that money is talked about all the time. And in fact, before the offering bowl goes round, there's a little sort of five-minute mini-preach about giving. I was at a church not so long ago where it just seemed a little bit like that. I thought the chap was going to get up and do some notices, but actually he wasn't. He was, going to, he was getting up and talking about giving and talking about the offering that was about to go round. Notice it was done before the, the bowl went round. And uh, you'll find it's sort of done every week and it's a big thing. And it's talked about constantly. And you know, I guess on the other extreme, there are, there are other churches you might go to where, well, money is a taboo subject and you'd never hear it talked about. It'd never be mentioned. It'd be like Christians, oh, I can't talk about such a worldly subject. And goodness, somebody to preach on it would be unthinkable. Well, if you're here for the first time this morning, or if you're new to Jubilee, and I know a number of you are visiting us this morning, and I'm thrilled to see you, and I did wonder as I was standing in worship, I was thinking, is this a really good preach? So still preach when people are visiting for the first time. And I stood there and thought, oh, do I do, do something else? Maybe I'll talk about our vision, talk about our values. And I love talking about those sort of things. And uh, I thought, well, no, I can't do that. Because this is a subject that Jesus wasn't afraid to address. And I guess for us it's something we might preach on maybe once or perhaps twice a year. So if you're here for the first time this morning, congratulations, you have picked the one or maybe, maybe two times this year we're going to talk about this subject. So there we go. So I don't think anybody could accuse us of going overboard on it, talking about it so rarely. If you want to know more, listen, about our vision, about our values, what sort of thing we're going for as a local church, 
then either come and ask me, I'd love to tell you. Uh, or you can listen to a talk from our website, there's plenty of stuff on there. Or on the 28th of January, just in a couple of weeks' time, we're having what we're calling Vision Sunday, where we're talking about what God is speaking to us about, what we believe God is calling us to go for in the next year or so. So if you want to come back in a couple of weeks, that would be a great chance for you to, to be with us and hear the sort of thing we're going for as a local church and our, our vision for this year. But in terms of talking about money, and I decided I'd, I'd press on anyway and talk about it this morning, um, it's, it's a, a subject that Jesus wasn't afraid to address, and he talks about it lots. And I guess the new year is a good opportunity for us to talk about such a subject. It's a good opportunity... Uh, because it fits in with our, our series of making the most of the rest of your life. We've just got a few weeks in January where we're talking about making the most of the rest of your life. And money comes into that, because money can be a great servant, but it's a terrible master. So we need to get our relationship with money right. The writer to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, says this, he says, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So this morning, we're going to talk about a subject that Jesus wasn't afraid to address. It was a popular topic for him. And uh, it's in this series, Making the Most of the Rest of Your Life. And I've called it Managing Your Money. Managing Your Money. And we're going to talk about giving, we're going to talk about our responsibility before God. We're also going to talk about how we manage well the rest of it as well. See, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it seems this is a big subject we need to look at. Now notice that Paul doesn't say... Money is evil. But he does say the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now maybe we've all met people who have loved money and that's all they seem to be going for, just accumulating more and more of it. Maybe that would have described you in the past. Maybe it describes you now. I don't know. But the danger with loving money is that it can take a place in our lives that is actually reserved only for God's we end up worshipping it. And if we become that focused on it, it starts to take a place that really only God should take in our lives because it's only him that we should be worshipping. Nothing else, be it money or career or or other people, but rather that, that place of worship in our lives is reserved for him and him alone. Now, I'm sure this morning that none of you want to, as Paul says, wander from the faith or be pierced with many griefs, do you? You don't look like you do anyway. So uh, I'm sure you want to hear what the Bible has to say on this subject. And one of the ways that we can ensure that we don't fall into the trap of loving money is to get it in perspective. Make sure we manage it well. And the help help in that is to get a handle on our giving before God. And so there are some of the the things we're going to spend a, a few moments looking at this morning. Okay? So when we pray, now you know where we go, what we're going to talk about. We'll pray, ask God to help us, and we'll look at what the Bible has to say about these sort of things. Lord Jesus, thank you that you weren't afraid to address the topic of money and of giving. And uh, Lord, I, I pray this morning, as we look at this subject, often a bit of a thorny issue maybe, 
for many. I, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would help us to see what the Bible has to teach us about this subject. Father, I pray you would give us receptive hearts uh, to hear your Holy Spirit applying your word to us, teaching us this morning. I pray you'd help me to communicate this really well. Uh, I pray, Lord Jesus, help us with these things this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get into this subject, let me say just this one thing about it. The way that we have organised our finances as a church means that I don't know what individuals give, apart from me, obviously. So that means, I think, that I can preach on this subject without any knowledge of looking around and thinking, oh, they're not giving, or they're giving lots, or they're not, because I just don't know. So it's not because I have any prior information if you're thinking, oh no, what's he going to say? Actually, if you're not thinking, oh, I feel a bit convicted on this, then maybe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and God speaking to your heart. It's not because I've had an email from Steve going, listen, these are the guys who are not giving, okay? Next time you preach, you're going to go right out to them, really preach it in their face. I'm sure Matt does, right? Um, uh, because I don't know. Okay, so you need, to, you need to know that. You see, it is true that you can tell someone's commitments by what they give. Now, you probably won't know that of other people, but I guess you would know it of yourself. Because that, um, that gives us an indication of what their heart is like. And I'm not so much talking about the amount in pounds, but rather the proportion that is given, proportion of their income. So the wallet is a window to the heart, as somebody once said. And Jesus knew that and he spoke into some of these situations. I mean, in Luke 16, Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus doesn't say, listen, you can do it, but it's a bit tricky, you need to be careful how you balance it. He says you can't. You cannot serve both God and money. See, money isn't neutral. It's got a power all of its own. And having a good understanding of giving will help us to ensure it doesn't get the better of us. Now, last time I preached on giving, which was at least six months ago, I talked a little bit about generosity. You see, giving is an action, isn't it? It's something that we do. A doing word, English teachers might call it. Whereas generosity is a value. And you'll find that values undergird our actions. You do what's important to you. And what's important to you is a value. Now, we know that God is generous, don't we? In fact, God is very generous. I mean, how else could you describe somebody who created the world that we live in, gave it to us to live in, gave us free will as to whether to follow him or not, and then when we made a complete mess of it, wasn't surprised, and had already planned to send his son to sort out the mess we've made. I mean, God is a very generous God. God's heart is generous. And if we want to become more like him, then we need to let our hearts become more generous too. In John 3.16, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a good summary of the Gospel, isn't it? It's a good summary of what it is to be a Christian. And that's the really important thing here. Money comes after it. 
God so loved the world. He loved you. He loved me. He loved us so much that he gave us his son so that we might be forgiven of the mess we've made and once again enter into a relationship with him which is what you and I were created for. See, right at the very heart of the gospel is a generous God who gave. So I wonder, are we generous? Are you generous? I mean, it can apply to a whole load of things. Can't it not just our money? We could say, are you generous with your time? Or with your friendships, maybe? With your home? But for just now, we'll confine ourselves to talking about money. So are you generous, is my question to you. If, you were, if you're out with friends, imagine you're going out for an evening with friends. So there you are, sitting in a pub. Maybe your favourite country pub just outside the city. Half a dozen of you having a nice time. And slowly you'll find that everybody's glass just gets a little bit empty. And you know how it is when you start getting a little bit left in your, in your drink. You start drinking it really slowly. And you sort of look around, don't you, thinking, whose turn is it now? Who's going to offer to buy the drinks? And are you the sort of person who thinks, actually, I think it's my turn. Guys, what do you want? Or do you sit there sort of shrinking back into your seat, drinking yours really slowly? So you never actually finish it. Because that's just a giveaway, isn't it? But just a little bit left. Keep on going. And, and maybe when a crunch time comes, you think, oh, got to go to the loo. Or are you a certain person who says, no, come on, let's, let's get some more drinks in. Are you a generous person? What would your friends say? That's about a better question. Would your friends say that you're a generous person? What about your husband or wife? Or your brother or sister or your best friend? Would they describe you as generous? Hmm. Let's keep in mind that God has got a generous heart and he calls us to be generous in our lives as well. While we open the Bible, look at some scripture together. If you've got a Bible with you, if you're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to read just a few verses together, not very many. But this is a passage that teaches us a number of things that are helpful to us in seeing what the Bible has to say about giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Paul says this, he says, Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. What's happening here is Paul is writing to the church in Corinth church he's got some relationship with and he's talking to them about an offering that they're going to give some money they're going to give into the situation in Jerusalem and uh, you'll find that there's some principles here and they're actually the same principles we see that he's already told the Galatian churches to do so this is some well tested advice, this is what Paul is saying in terms of what to do about your giving and now he's writing to the church in Corinth as he has already told other churches to do the same. And there are a number of things that we can learn from this passage. And they all come out with a letter P. Okay? So if you're making notes, these will be given the letter P. Make it nice and easy for you. So our first P is periodic. Periodic. Paul says on the first day of every week. You see, giving should be a regular practice for us. It's not just a one-off exercise. It shouldn't just be an emotional response, but it should be thought through. It should be planned. Now, now sometimes I'm sure you'll have been in the same sort of situation. Now, there might be a need arise. 
Maybe uh, something happens in the world, some sort of disaster you see an appeal on television, you react emotionally to it and you give some money. You know, you, you phone and, and you give some money. And we've done that. And sometimes those sort of things stir our hearts. You think, yeah, I want to give. I want to respond to that. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. Sometimes that's, that's right. And even in the church, different needs arise some, sometimes and we have particular offerings for, for certain things. We might have a, a special offering for an Alpha course maybe to fund it or maybe to give to other churches that we relate to. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's not what this passage is talking about either. What Paul is talking about is regular periodic giving. Now whether it's once a week or once a month or once every four weeks has probably got more to do with how often you're paid rather than any great uh, scriptural principle. Paul's saying, you know, make it often, make it regular. Because when it is regular, you get into a routine, don't you? You get into the routine of it. Not that it just becomes automatic and it's like another bill that you've got to pay, but rather it becomes part of who you are. There's something you get into the routine of doing regularly. So if our first P was periodic. Our second P, Paul says, is, is personal. Because he says each one of you, each one of you, so it should be personal. We're all invited to participate in this. It's not only the rich and the wealthy, but it's all of us. You see, everyone has a part to play. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, actually, it's only the really well-off people that need to listen to talks or giving. You know, and I, you, might, you might say, well, I wouldn't fall into that category, so I'm going to switch off now. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, each one of you. So whether you earn £10,000 a year, or £10,000 a month, or more, or less than that, it doesn't matter. What Paul says is you've still got a part to play in this. Whether you've always got money at the end of the month, or whether you've always got month at the end of the money, you've got a part to play. It's for all of us, me included. It's part of following Jesus. It's part of being a disciple. It's part of New Testament Christianity. So it's something we need to take seriously. Now the next two P's are perhaps the most important. Our third P is Paul says it should be planned. Because he says, set aside. It's the phrase he uses, set aside. So our giving them should be planned. Now I'm sure you've been there. I know I have on occasions in the past. You've been perhaps in a church service and you're taken by surprise and the offering bowl goes round. You think, oh, I forgot it again. I forgot to think about it. And you sort of scrabble around thinking, I've got any loose change. I've got anything out of the cash machine. You've got a checkbook. No. And you sort of, you know, it's all about last minute. What Paul says is actually our giving should be planned. Now, if, you know, it can happen, can't it? You know, maybe it happens to you this morning. You're thinking, I wasn't planning on giving, but I just feel like I want to. And that's fine. That's great. Actually, if you're not regularly part of us, we don't expect you to give. We're just thrilled you're with us. We're thrilled that you're here. If you want to give, that's great. We're very grateful. But there isn't an expectation there because actually we have an offering on a Sunday to give a chance for those people who are part of the church to give in to what we're going for here, what we're doing as part of our offering to God. But you see, planned giving is thoughtful. Planned giving has been prayed about. Planned giving has been prepared. Planned giving, if you're married, has been discussed with your husband or wife in advance. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. 
So I'm sure you'd want to be diligent, wouldn't you? So our giving should be planned. It's also planned giving part of managing our finances well. You see, with personal debt at sky-high levels, credit cards easily available to us, managing your money has actually never been more important. It's really important to our lives. So just as giving should be planned, so should the whole approach to our finances. You see, you need to manage your money. Because if you don't, your money will manage you. And that's not a good position to be in. So we need to be planned our whole approach to it. And if, if you've never done it, I'd encourage you to, uh, to plan a budget and then stick to it. There's something we talk about in our marriage preparation courses that, that we run uh, with folk who are engaged. We, we spend the whole evening talking about finances. We spend the whole evening talking about how to plan a budget. Some of you that I've done marriage prep with, I remember the, the conversations. And uh, it's something that is helpful to getting prepared to be married. But actually, it isn't just engaged people who need to do this. It's all of us. You see, as you manage your money wisely, that will enable you to give to God what's due to him and more. And as you manage your money wisely, it will bring a freedom and a release to you that will not come if your finances are just all over the place and it's not planned and thought through. So I mean, setting a budget isn't necessarily a difficult task, but sometimes it seems a bit daunting if you've never done it before. And uh, I mean, it's actually quite easy. All you do is get a bit of paper, you, you write down what your, what your income is, uh, whether it be uh, a salary or a benefit or a pension or a combination or whatever it might be, you, you stick it down at the top of the page. And if you're married, you, you stick your partner's, uh, your husband or your wife's uh, income down as well. And that gives you your sort of total income. And after that, you list everything that might be an expense to you. So, and I've got a whole list of things here. It could be things like uh, your mortgage or your rent or your council tax or your insurance or your pension or an exit bill, gas, water, phone, internet, car, petrol, housekeeping, eating out, clothes. So some of this goes on. And you write everything down. And uh, right at the top of that, by the way, is your tithe. We'll come back to talking about tithing in a minute. So you list absolutely everything and have a total of what your expenditure is. And then what you do, you take your total income and you take away your total expenditure. And you see what's left. And if you'll note at the bottom it says, if this is a minus figure, then you need to start again. <laughs> That's how you do it. So it's not hard but it does need a little work to, to do it. You see, if you want to make the most of the rest of your life, then one area you need to get hold of is the area of finances. You need to manage your money well. Another biblical principle is that of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. So if you sow in discipline, disorganisation in your finances, then guess what you're going to reap? It'll be things like debt, worry, friction, rails, Lots of other well, negative things as well. But if you sow righteousness, generosity, honouring of God, then what are you going to reap? You'll reap things like blessing and God's favour and his peace and his presence. And actually, God says to test him in it. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Now our next P, to keep on, keep on going, is proportional. Because Paul says, in keeping with his income. Now, giving in should be proportional. 
Now, one common question when it comes to giving, and it, it may be one you've asked in the past, or maybe I'm even thinking of this morning, is, okay, well, how much should I give? Well, a better question is, how much should I keep? See, our starting point has to be that everything belongs to God. Psalm 24 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendour, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You and I, well, we're just stewards, really. We're just temporarily looking after something for God for a while. And then somebody else will. See, if we get that one right, it's a great foundation to build on. Everything is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything on it. But you say, that's not the attitude of many people around us. The world says, hey, it's yours. You've got a right to it. You need it. You've earned it. Take it. Keep it. Why should you give any of it away? That's the sort of culture that we live in. But before we answer the question, how much shall I give, let's remember what we said about being generous because God is a generous God. So let's come to it with that in mind. Now, we've got loads of verses we could look at in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't have time to do it this morning. We'd be here until well past tea time and your roast dinner that is cooking away in your oven at home would be well and truly burnt. So we're not going to look at every verse. But let me give you a few to be going on with. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to tithe, which is giving God 10%. It's part of Old Testament law. Leviticus 27, Numbers 18 are a couple of examples there. And in Proverbs 3 we read, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, there are blessings for God's people attached to tithing. If God's people got it right, he promised to bless them. And the flip side, where there were curses attached to not tithing. I mean, in Malachi chapter 3, it's, it's the very last book of the Old Testament. In Malachi chapter 3, we, we have God speaking to his people. And, um, and it says this. I, the Lord, do not change. God is saying to his people, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how do we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how do we rob you? Well, God's answer is this. He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it, really? And God commands his people to test him. He's saying, look, you're going to get this right, but it's so important, test me in it and see if I don't bless you as a result. So this proves that actually what you need in life is faith more than money. Now, as Christians, 
I'm sure some of you are thinking, hey, I'm not, I'm not bound by Old Testament law now. Haven't we, you know, isn't, hasn't Jesus come to fulfil the Old Testament law? Do we need to think about that now? How does it affect us now? Well, before we ditch the idea of tithing as Old, and Old Testament, let's look at where we first find it in the Bible. Actually, we first find tithing in the Bible well before the law was given to Moses, some six or seven hundred years earlier, in fact. It's when Abraham meets Melchizedek, this mysterious guy who's a priest of God in Genesis 14. And Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. And so actually this idea of giving God a tenth is even before the law was given. Now in the New Testament, Jesus had lots of opportunity to ditch the idea of tithing if he wanted to. But he didn't. Even on one occasion when he was uh, having a go at the Pharisees, that sort of religious elite if you like, for tithing even their herbs and their spices but neglecting justice. This is what he says. He didn't tell them to stop tithing but rather he said, woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all other kinds of garden herbs but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So actually Jesus wasn't ditching the idea. He was saying, let's, let's do that but don't forget things like justice as well. The love of God also. So 10% then was okay for the Old Testament people of God if that's what God commanded them. Friends, shouldn't we be giving so much more? Haven't we, you and I, received so much more from God than they did? We now live under grace, don't we? Not law, we understand something of God's grace. So tithing then, giving God 10%, should actually be a starting point for us rather than our finishing point. You see, if you're earning, then I don't see how you can build a biblical New Testament case for giving God less than 10%. Now, I've read about one very well-known church leader, author, many of you would have read his books. Due to his income from book royalties and other things like that, he and his wife give the church 90% of their income and live on 10% of it. He nicknamed it reverse tithing. That's because he's in a situation to do that. Now, you may not be in that position yet (laughs) where you can give God 90% of your income. But maybe for some of you, you could give him more than 10. And depending on your circumstances, depending on your stage in life perhaps, you might be in a position to give more. 12%, 15 20%, whatever it might be. Don't just think that you happen to have some more money floating around to invest or to save or just to spend. Listen, if God has blessed you financially and you're in a good position, then guess what? He's done it so that you can give more. And as you give more, what will happen? God will bless you. And you'll have more to give. You see, that's probably why he's blessed you. So you can do that. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, I've, I've done my 10%, I'm okay now, I've got all this much left. That's not how God intends it to be. If God has blessed you, then it's so that you can honour him with your finances and give to him. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'll just see what's left at the end of the month. Maybe you've thought that sometimes. I know I did before I got a real handle on, on my giving. I thought, well, I'll just live through the month and, and see what's left at the end and see how we do. But, you know, every time I tried that, there didn't seem to be any left. And no matter you know, how much I thought about it during the month, it always seemed to be, I get to the end, and it all would have gone. 
You see, just seeing what's left at the end of the month isn't planned, isn't thought through, isn't proportional. So I want to encourage you, sit down, take a hard look at your finances. Pray over them. Say, God, what are you saying to me? Ask God to speak to you. So we free ourselves from thinking, hey, it's just 10% of the time, that's it. But rather begin seeing that as a starting point to move forward and increase our giving from there. You know, the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. So the people gave a regular tithe and then offerings on top of it. Now sometimes we have special offerings for different things. When that happens, pray about it. In advance, ask God, say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to give? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Paul says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Don't you want to reap generously? Guess what? You need to sow generously then. But the passage doesn't finish there. Paul goes on. He says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. I think if we could say each man and woman, okay, it's not a get out, ladies. Okay, each of us, each of you, each of us should decide what, should give what he has decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? Or are you a reluctant giver? Treating God a bit like the tax man. Another bill to be paid. That's not our, that shouldn't be our heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus puts it like this in Luke 6. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a good promise, isn't it? It's got, you know, maybe you've been in a situation where you're trying to cram something into a jar. And you're sort of pushing it in and cramming it in as much as you can. And you sort of get some more in when you think you've got enough. You put a bit more in as well. And then it almost explodes and goes everywhere. Well, that's sort of picture, isn't it? Given it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. God promises his blessing to us as we give. We need to be careful not to err into some weird prosperity teaching. You know, some people say, well, as Christians, we should all be rich and driving around in, in Mercedes and we should all live some sort of lavish lifestyle. God doesn't promise that. We need to be careful we don't get, get into extremes here. That's sinful. That's a distortion of Scripture. But Jesus is promising to bless us as we honour him with our finances. Actually, God says to test him in it. I think it's the only time God says to test him. So have you tested him in it? Have you put God to the test in that? Our next P, we need to push on and wrap up quickly, is being purposeful. Paul says, when I come, no collections will have to be made. So our giving then should be purposeful. Our primary commitment, therefore, our tithe or more, should be to our local church, whichever local church that you're part of. Now, honestly, we're free to give elsewhere on top of that, but we should see our giving to our local church as foundational. We support local ministry. We can see how the money is spent. We can be involved in what God is doing. There's real purpose to our giving when we give in to our local church. Yes, we're giving to God, but we also get an opportunity to be part of using that money to honour him. So for us as a local church, we've got a huge vision before us. We want to reach this city for Jesus, 
We've got a heart to be planting churches in other parts of this country, being involved in reaching other nations for Christ as well. We've got a huge task ahead of us and a massive vision that God has given us. And that requires money. So they're giving into a local church. Us, for example, is giving with purpose. You get to play a part of what, with what God is doing in building that local church. So I guess you might have some questions by now. I'm going to pose a few and answer them real quick. You might think, well, okay, Graham, that's all we're well, but this tithing lark, is it before tax or after tax? Well, tithing is giving God first fruits. So it's before we take off anything else, be it our living costs or be it the tax that we so willingly and generously and joyously pay to the government. I think it should be first. Tithing should be first. You might say, okay, well, can I still be a member of Jubilee Church if I still choose to give less than 10%? Well, yes, you can. Because you're under the grace of God. Giving is to do with worship. It's between you and him. You're the one that needs to pray about it. You're the one that needs to seek God about your giving. And it's between you and him. I don't know what you give. But you do. And so does he. Now, I know of some churches who say, listen, you have to give 10% to be a member. We don't. We say it's between you and God. But if you're a leader here in any area of church life, then I would hope this is an area that you've got sussed, that you're sorted in your giving. Because as much as what you say as a leader is what you do, and what you model with your life. So I'm trusting that if you're in any form of leadership here, you've, you've got this area covered and you're leading in what you do as much as what you say. You might think, well, what about if I'm in debt? Should I still tithe? Well, if you've got a mortgage, then you're in debt. But leaving that to one side for a minute, which may apply to many of us, what about other debt? Well, I'd encourage you to pray about it, ask God for his wisdom, make a plan to get out of debt, and even as you begin to pay it off, you can still honour God with your finances. You can still honour God in giving to him. It may be you need somebody to sit down with and help you with it. Well, there are people here who could do that and who would be love to help you make a budget and help you to plan to get out of those things. You might say, well, okay, I only believe this. You know, I'm up for all of this. What can I do to help Jubilee Church? Well, I encourage you to stay on top of your giving in the years to come. Keep it up to date. Maybe as you receive salary increases every now and then, increase your giving. Look to give more than you are. Look to increase the tithe to a greater proportion. Be generous. And most of all, be cheerful in your giving. So New Year is a great opportunity to look at our finances, isn't it? For us as a church, for us individually, it's a good opportunity to get on top of these sort of things. And so after this morning, I want you to consider your giving to Jubilee. If you're part of the church here this morning, then I want to urge you, just in the next week or so, so have a fresh look at your giving to Jubilee. All of us to do that before God. You see, God has always been very faithful to us as a church. He has always met our needs financially. But we can't afford to be complacent. A life of faith, as we move forward this year, as we in a couple of weeks' time talk about all that God is speaking to us about in the year or so ahead that we feel God is calling us to, that's not a complacent life. It's a life of faith. And giving is part of that life of faith. So I want to encourage you this morning, be asking God 
What is he saying to you about your giving? Have you had a pay increase recently? Maybe just an inflationary one perhaps. Have you adjusted your giving accordingly? Because it maybe stayed static for a while. Now would be a good time to review it. I mean, standing orders, many of us use to give regularly. They're, they're great, aren't they? Because it just means it happens and it means we don't get to the end of the month and forget about it. It's part of, of who we are. The trouble with that is we can sort of forget about it and it becomes automatic and we don't review it in perhaps the same way as we would do if we were writing a cheque out each month. Now, standing orders are great. They help us to budget effectively as a church. But let's make sure we're reviewing these things regularly. If you're a UK taxpayer, have you signed a gift aid form so we can get gift aid money back from the government? 28p in the pound at the moment. That's going to go down in this year, actually. So you might want to think about your giving to help compensate that. You might be in a position to increase it. Well, I encourage you, be praying about it in the coming weeks ahead. If you've got some more questions, particularly about our finances as a church, how we do that, then... Somewhere, oh, there. Somewhere there's some packs around, some at the front and some at the back, it's called a finance pack. You take one of those, it's got a bit more information about our finances as a local church, how they're set up, a bit of a summary of what we looked at this morning, some paperwork that's useful to you in there. That would be maybe a helpful read for you. But let's wrap up. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, Paul talks about the grace of giving. He says, to the Corinthian church, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Friends, I want Jubilee to be a church that excels in this grace of giving. I want us to be a church full of people who individually excel in this grace of giving, and give generously and cheerfully. But as well as that, I want us to be a church that ourselves excel in this grace of giving. We make sure we give away a proportion of our income. We tie our income to New Frontiers, the family of churches that we're part of. So that we, we, we're honouring God before, before him as well. Not just expecting us to do it, but we're doing it as a church. We give into other situations as well. Now maybe for some of you, God has given you a particular gift of giving. An ability to make huge sums of money and give vast amounts of it into his kingdom. Well that's great. And uh, if you've got that gift, I'd encourage you to go for it and use it as much as you can. But even if that's not you, and it probably wouldn't be most of us, we're all called to give. Just as only some of us are called to be evangelists, all of us are called to be witnesses. Only some would call to be pastors, but we're all called to love one another. Some may have a special gift of giving, but we're all called to give. So let's make sure we excel in this grace of giving. Now you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what's he going to do now? Is he going to pass the bowl round? Are we going to have another offering? Was he not happy with what we got earlier? I'm not. I'm not, Okay. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do is thank you for giving. Those of you who are part of Jubilee, those of you who are giving regularly, I want to thank you for giving. We've only got to where we are now and be able to do some of the things that we can do because you're committed to the church, because you're giving. And I want to thank you before God for giving. I want to urge you to do more and to press into more God, that God has for you same as I want to do that to myself. 
But I want to thank you for giving and thank you for honouring God. So as we finish, let me ask you these questions. What are you going to do as a result of this morning's message? How are you going to pray? What are you going to change, maybe? God invites us to lead a life of faith when it comes to our finances. It applies to us personally, individually. It applies to us as a church as well. As we move forward this year, God invites us to move forward in faith into all that he has for us. Tithing, giving, it's all about our worship. It's all about God and worshipping him. Giving is an expression of worship. It reveals our heart and our commitment to him. So how are you doing in it? Let's stand together and we're going to pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, giving and money is a subject that you weren't afraid of tackling and talking about. And I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that you would speak to us about these things. Help us each individually uh, to come before you in the coming days and weeks ahead to So I ask you, Lord, what is it you're saying to us individually about giving to you? Help us, Lord, lead lives of faith in this area. And I pray for us as a church as well, Lord, as we move into a new year, as you call us to a number of things in the months ahead. Father, I pray for us that we would live a life of faith, trusting you and believing you that that you would meet all the needs that uh, are required to move forward as you uh, continue to speak to us and grow us this year. Father, I pray for each one here this morning, me included. Lord, help us to honour you in this area of our life, that we might give to you generously and cheerfully, and you might bless us as a result. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. There's tea and coffee and some biscuits. I don't feel you've got to rush off to stay and have those with us and look forward to seeing you. Uh, Once again, next Sunday at half past ten.